Welcome to issue 202.3 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Bill, and joining me tonight is Daniel. How you doing, Daniel? Hello, Bill. Welcome back. Thank you. Or Thank welcome you. still, I guess. Yeah. We're just doing a camping week here. It really yeah. is a marathon. Yeah, it's been nice. And it's nice to know my new friend, James. James is with us tonight. How you doing tonight, James? I'm doing so good, Bill. I brought a uh, little like thing for my nose to keep it blocked tonight. So no <laughs> smells. All going well. Okay. All right. Yep, it gets a little ripe in here at times. And our buddy, Steve. Steve, how you doing tonight? Good. Apparently, I'm going to need to sign a minion to uh, clean this place up and hunt down those smells. So, um, I, I, don't I like thought he would take it with him this time, but no. Yeah. Well, you noticed uh, Mike isn't here. He jumped off. Uh, he was here for a couple, and he's not here now. Typical Mike. Typical Mike. That's right. Quick reminder what we're doing. This is the part three. So if for some reason this is the first one you're listening to, go back two days to part one. We're doing five parts, a lore segment for each of our mansion attack villains. And then we're going to talk all about the encounter sets and stuff in part five. And tonight we're going to get right to it with James and Avalanche. So take it away. Okay. Well, If we can, let's cast our minds back to May 11th, 2021. And that was issue 65 of Critical Encounters, if you can believe it. Wow, was I there? What? You you were still on the show, Daniel. Um, Nice. You were still on the show. Uh, If you haven't heard it, go back. Um, These are short episodes, so we won't do a and go back. But the wonderful deck builder, Dr. Double Zero, who said that you can call him uh, Drew, I guess, yeah. which is probably yes. his preferred name. So I always thought it was Dr. Ooh. Uh, he helped us walk through the mysterious appearance of Avalanche as one of the best nemesis sets in the game, especially when it was released. Mm. Uh, but the big mystery of the episode uh, was why on earth was he picked as a nemesis for the uh, ironically slow-building, fast and furious speedster known as Quicksilver. But today... He is finally making an appearance in a location that makes sense, standing alongside the new brotherhood of evil mutants. Uh, A really quick note for people, just in case you never read the comics, also the 90s animated series, but have never and have seen a newer series, there is someone called Lance Albers. That is not the avalanche we're talking about today. This is the, you know, 80s comics, 90s animated series. His name is Dominikos Patrakis, and I'm really sorry to everyone in Greece uh, for that <laughs> pronunciation. So, uh, Dominikus is a mutant from Crete in Greece, uh, but is a naturalized American, much like me, only I'm English originally, uh, and he possesses the ability to generate seismic waves from his hands that are strong enough to create earthquakes of varying sizes and to disintegrate any substance other than living tissue. Um, he's been a member of uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. He's been a general rogue and free agent. He's been a member of Freedom Force. That was mentioned in the uh, in the last episode. Um, he's, you know, that 
government-sanctioned form of the Brotherhood, which was led by Mystique also. Uh, he's been part of S.W.O.R.D., the Sentient World Observation and Response Department, because you have to make words work. Yep. Uh, X-Core, as well as my personal favourite, going it straight by the name Nick and running the imaginatively named bar Nick's in San Francisco. So <laughs> this is... This is like a little bit of a buddy thing with Blob that I think he's had a little bit of rivalry within the past, but, you know, Blob went off to, you know, aside from being a weight loss guru, started Tiki Bar. Uh, note to everyone this. out there, if you want to lose weight, do not open a Tiki Bar. There's a lot of calories in Tiki cocktails. They are strong, so you, not a good idea. <laughs> um, but this one is Nick's in San Francisco, and even when he's doing this, the X-Men turn up to bully him. Really? Right? Of course they do. Yeah. yeah. Like, Why is classic... Well? classic so-called heroes don't really believe that people can reform the x-men are villains in these episodes clearly clearly well when you're you know when you're established by someone like professor x and we all know what he's like it is no surprise where they end up um okay well his uh his backstory um is really thoroughly and beautifully laid out when he first appears. Uh, made it really easy for me. He appears on New Year's Day 1981 uh, in issue 141 of Uncanny X-Men. So this is a lot later than Toad, right? Toad is right there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's being written by Chris Claremont, who's, you know, really the godfather of, of the X-Men in many respects, and John Byrne. Um, and he's introduced in a narration box as follows. This is my dramatic uh, narration right. box. Avalanche, whose touch crumbles any inanimate object, creating an irresistible avalanche tidal wave effect with earth, stone, steel, anything. Uh, Um, Actually sounded more like Storm from the animated series. Um, Excellent. Bravo. That is his uh, entire backstory. I love the avalanche slash tidal wave effect. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Why why is flesh <laughs> spared? That is my question. So why uh did Toad develop a pile of uh new powers as the years went on? Hmm. Why did Jean Grey disappear and reappear? <laughs> why did uh, you know, I think it's best when it comes to the X-Men to not really think about it and just go with it. Um just and don't ask could, questions. Yeah. You don't just... ask questions and you take the retcon. Just take mm-hmm. the retcon. It is what it is. Um, Actually, speaking of retcons, I mean, here's a classic place, right? In the comics run, this is part of the Days of Future Past arc, right? Which sounds familiar for people. There's an MCU version of this um, in which Kitty, right, in the comics is sent back to stop the assassination of Robert Kelly, that dude we've seen. In the animated series in the 90s, Bishop, he's sent back via a machine built by Forge. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the MCU, Wolverine is sent back by Kitty to stop mystique from going after bolivar trask so oh and in that one avalanche isn't even there so just more yeah, we classic we, shenanigans we never see avalanche in any of the movies right you know maybe they just didn't have the money to do like tidal wave slash avalanche effect <laughs> that's it you have this wonderful piece of art which will be available for folks to look in the youtube and it has this little text box for the history of some of these characters uh i love pyro who controls living flame that's it mm-hmm and then what else you need and that blob yeah and last but not least the blob only recently escaped from prison a man whom no physical force can harm that's it <laughs> like, that's it that's it. awesome 
But thankfully, Daniel's already taken us through, obviously, everything that we'd forgotten, which they must have already forgotten when they were writing this comic, that is, he did come from the circuit. <laughs> right. Okay, anyway. Um, so there's this self-titled demonstration of his power. And this was actually mentioned by Drew, you know, when he was in the uh, in the episode a long time ago. Um, it kind of confuses me because, like, Blob picks up this statue to attack Pyro and Avalanche disintegrates it, but he's not actually touching it. And it's really clear in the panel prior that he has to touch it. And then you skip forwards, like, you know, to the next comic issue that he's in. And then it's changed to, like, beams of force hammer out from his hands. Um, you skip forwards a bit. Oh, actually, I actually have a quick trivia question for you guys. Uh, oh. This depends on how well you remember uh, Drew's fantastic work. Mm. Uh, before his next appearance with the X-Men, can anyone recall what he does? He has this great harebrained scheme. Mm. If you want to make some money and your name is Avalanche, yeah, you become a threatened. ski instructor. Yeah, uh, you see, I said that because I knew that would send you down the wrong direction. That's wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Threaten something of value? Threaten something of value. Maybe, maybe somewhere, a people or a place that, that might be scared of seismic activity. Oh, California. The whole state of California. (laughs) He wants to blackmail the whole state of California. Then he bumps into a guy called Landslide, who's with Mole Man, who has like basically the same powers, which is really awkward. That's like wearing Um, the same dress to the prom. (laughs) Yeah. And then he thinks, you know, maybe I'll just blackmail Mole Man and get diamonds. Villain logic at times. Um, Not as smart as Toad, clearly. Um, And then here comes that, you know, anything that's not organic. Hulk turns up because why not? He battles the Hulk. He does his whole, like, you know, thing towards the Hulk, but it rebounds and it shatters all the bones in his body. And to be fair, like, Hulk is an immovable object, as we know. Um, Like, if there's one thing that good, you know, that Hulk's good at in the game, it's standing there and taking a hit. Um, That whole rebound thing, like, breaks every bone in his arms. And I guess from there, they kind of decided, yeah, he can't just rip people apart with this power I, he has i remember talking about that in 182 where like he he can hurt himself with his powers but not other people like his own flesh mm-hmm. is vulnerable but not other people's flesh for some reason right yeah and that yeah. seems like a really cartoon kind of thing like it's surprising that they have that in the comic um like and it, it can get dark like later on he he does manage to um he manages to freeze colossus which I guess isn't really him freezing it. He like knocks over some liquid nitrogen trucks into Colossus and like freezes him solid. So yeah, I guess he doesn't really do it with his powers. It's more just he gets inconveniently placed liquid nitrogen trucks that were all around <laughs> Colossus at the time. Um, but in a in a really really short space of time, um, he basically goes from like touching things to then being like waves. And then by, um, I think it's by issue 178 of um, Uncanny X-Men, it's his mental command. At the villain's mental command, concrete and steel flow like water. So it's kind of toad-like, <laughs> but it's clearly just sticking with the same power. It These guys are bananas. A bit. Yeah. yeah. Right. And ironically, he can't use his force against bananas, which is why he's <laughs> bananas. They're too fleshy. I, I, maybe the water They're content organic. is too high. Maybe it's just <laughs> anything with too much water content. I, I don't know. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, all in all, he seems, he's like a character that's created and then figured out, I think, as things go on, which I don't think is that weird for the time. Um, that's kind of him. I have a quick list of his greatest hits. 
that I'm going to rattle off for you guys um, because he's you know he's he's had an interesting time. Um, you know, he attempts to blackmail the state of California. He's broken out of prison. Immediately ends up back in prison. Breaks out of prison again. Freezes Colossus with liquid nitrogen. Um, he helps capture Magneto, which I think is really impressive. Uh, when he's with the Freedom Force. Um, now he does have a couple of moments, and this is for you, Daniel. I know you love the humanizing moments. Oh, here. thank you for this. You thank go. you, James. He he does demonstrate at times that he is just not happy at the idea of hunting down other mutants, which, you know, that sounds good. Um, clearly isn't bothered causing chaos and destruction for humans. Um, though, to be fair, you know, X-Men's kind of dark. Like, it's pretty rough, especially from the, the comic side. I mean, all of the human species is just really awful to mutants, and sure. he's not happy about that. Um, I like that he knows his people. Appreciate it. Yeah. That. All right. Yeah, and then he's and he does like the idea of going after X Factor. Uh, X Factor is basically the original mutants, right? The original X Men, but now pretending to hunt mutants, but actually to save them. Um, okay, classic. You know why not? Mm -hmm. um, he's worked alongside the X Men when Dallas transformed into a, a place populated with dinosaurs and Neanderthals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but that was that was Dallas. That was not Blob's hometown. Okay. Um, Ironically, he's forced to save Robert Kelly at one point from a drug cartel, which is kind of funny. Uh, he's had his stomach cut open by Lady Deathstrike. Uh, who's Pyro? Who's going to be Pyro? Steve. I'm Pyro. Yeah, I think he's he's got a really soft spot for Pyro, and I'm I'm gonna I'll I'll wait for you to talk about Pyro. But okay, one good. thing that is running, he has a lot of compassion towards Pyro, and like always goes out of his way to try and help him. Uh, he had a secret warehouse in Alexandria, about 15 minutes away from where I am in Virginia, but I couldn't find it when I looked. Um, <laughs> he went back for two more Kelly assassination attempts after he's tried, failed, saved him from an assassination attempt, went back, tried two more times. Uh, classic. The whole Nick Spar thing happens that I mentioned. Um, but the really sad thing, like at the end, he's eventually captured by Red Skull's S-Men. I'm not familiar with S-Men. I haven't read this. Um, I don't know how dark we can get on the show. You can always just, I mean, this is not bad language. Okay. You can bleep it out if it's too much, but he gets lobotomized, brainwashed, uh, makes a terrorist attack um, to like reignite the public fear of mutants and then jumps to his death, like of oh. his own. I mean, I guess not really his own, you know, volition because he was lobotomized and brainwashed. It's just yeah. like, man, that, that really, really stinks. Um, tragic end. James, do not let your heart be troubled. They never stay dead, and they never stay lobotomized. They always, <laughs> they always come back. Thank so, you, Bill. Did, did just, he get just to grow a new frontal lobe? Yeah. Thank you, Bill. He'll, he'll find um, one somewhere. They're laying okay. around. You know, <laughs> Maybe there'll be some shop. kind of like there'll be some kind of like deep earthquake or avalanche that will like reignite his spirit, and he'll come back. Yeah, so, I, I hope so. Yeah, he's probably already back. What do I know? Um, <laughs> oh, and actually, I did miss one one important thing as well. Um, you know that big tower um, in France? I think it's in Paris. Um, the big, like, pointy one made of metal. That yeah, yeah I've seen it before. I've seen a picture yeah. of that. He, you know, collapses that at some point. Oh, right? cool. You know, nice. Yeah. You know. So, you know, criminal tries to go good, goes good with the government on that Freedom Force thing. Mm, is that good? I don't know. And then he kind of just stays bad, tries to be good. X Men bully him, goes bad again, and then has a pretty <laughs> untimely death. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's Avalanche. But at least he's in the right place now. At least he's, you know, there's. you'll notice I didn't mention Quicksilver once here because he's not really got a whole lot with Quicksilver. Right, right. Well, thanks, James. That was awesome. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, really good. We don't have any questions. Let's look at his card, huh? Yeah, let's let's look at it. these cards. So you can find his cards in the Mutant Genesis campaign box, the fourth scenario, 25 total cards, 10 set of cards, 15 in card. And we'll talk about two cards tonight. So, um... I'm quicking in my boots here. I want to know what's going on. So, James, tell mm. us about this card. So, we have uh, Avalanche A uh, and, funnily enough, uh, Avalanche B. Uh, so, Avalanche A, uh, he has two scheme, three attack, toughness, thankfully a victory of two, uh, and he has 15 hit points with a forced response after his attack that after Avalanche attacks you, exhaust an ally you control. Hmm. Uh, I gotta say, I, I know Daniel, you're a big fan of the loincloths and things. Um, this is a real squat that uh, he's, he's got mean, amazing I, thighs that he can. Do I, I mean, I can see all the muscles uh, and beyond the thighs. Things. I mean, yeah. they they yeah. really um they went for it um with that. <laughs> uh, but, but you can really see from the art, right? Like he's got his hands outstretched again at the beginning. I think the whole idea is that he has to touch it, but already we can see he's like, you know, got his arms outstretched. And so both on uh, on A, where he has 15 hit points, B, where he has 18, after Avalanche attacks you, exhaust an ally you control. So I guess, you know, his general attack is disrupting you and your team. Yeah, huh. it won't work on Mike. Mike no. doesn't use allies, right? That's why he ran away. Right. So yeah. he's yeah. like, skip, skip Avalanche. No, no worries. Hmm. He does have a four attack on the B side, which is pretty solid. I mean, that's a high number. Yeah. Um, yeah there's not very many fours, right? No, there's not too many. In and, the and game. Plus the boost card, right? Uh, he doesn't have to damage you. He just has to attack you, and he's going to exhaust somebody. So he's kind of hitting for two, you know, um, whoever you're defending with, you're exhausting, and then he's knocking someone else down with some collateral quakeage going on around him. Um, I mean, maybe that's why the the attack's so high because you know if you only have one ally out and you're thinking I'm going to hide behind this this sucker and uh, and chump them, <laughs> well they're gone, and then there's nothing else to exhaust. So at least he has to do four. I mean, if right. he didn't, problematic. Mike last week was saying or yesterday was saying like a cool difference between A and B could have been, and you know here the force response for the B side could be when he attacks you. Exhaust an ally you control when, so he, he, initiates not, when he initiates an attack against you. Yes. So before yeah. you can't, can't even jump. use the ally. Yeah. yeah. So you cannot jump, and then you exhaust the ally mm-hmm. you were going to jump with anyway. Yeah. yeah. Forced interrupt when right. Avalanche attacks you. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that would have really cranked him up a notch. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. an interesting thing with this one as well, um, of course, is he's he's the first one of the Brotherhood that we already have a card for previously, because we do have him as the Quicksilver Nemesis. And uh, that one, of course, was an Insight 2 situation. So, you know, he comes out and he puts two threats on, and then when revealed, you either had to um, exhaust your identity or take two indirect damage. He did two. If you took the two indirect damage, he's hitting you for four when he comes out. Um, or oh, sorry, when he decides to swing. Uh, and if not, there, there was a little bit of that exhaustion uh, even way back when in Quicksilver's Nemesis set as well. 
which is absolutely devastating when he comes out. Trust me, I have lost many so games. Good. To, uh, <laughs> so to the Quicksilver Nemesis. Yeah. Insight too. Yeah. Throw that on the main scheme. Yeah. Now, now we don't want to get too confused. There, there are the four minion versions of them in the Brotherhood modular set. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Avalanche was the, is the only one who came out well before that. Those Brotherhood cards, which all pretty much line up with their villain versions. So yeah, yeah, they do pretty which, much exactly the same thing. Which the minion set is required when you're playing with Avalanche, right? That's not an option modular set. Right. Yeah, they, they'll they'll be out as villains and minions. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Bill, where does where does he like to hang out? He likes to hang out. In the courtyard. Of course he does. Seems like a good place. So the courtyard, uh, of course, side 2A mirrors all the other locations or main schemes. So the courtyard, when you flip that over, it says each character gets plus one attack. So all characters on the table get plus one attack while the courtyard is out. So expert avalanche is not just that four attack. He's, he's a five, five attack. He's yeah. a five attack. And after Avalanche attacks you, exhaust an ally you control. So when completed, it says add this scheme to the victory display, advance the next card in the main scheme deck. There are three main schemes in the victory display. The players lose the game. It begins with one threat on it, and it gets one threat added each turn. Threats out at seven per player. Seems like a low mm-hmm. threat threshold, too. Yeah, it's funny. In the courtyard, it's probably better for the other characters whose effects are when they damage you. Um, right? When Blob damages a character, stun that character, giving Blob extra damage. But they got a picture of Avalanche on the courtyard, so um, he's out there throwing some rocks around, I guess, with Colossus. I don't see any liquid nitrogen, though, in the art. No. So one, one thing I noticed and thought about is, um, you know, you've got Xavier's Institute, and the schematics of this building... The courtyard itself also houses the basketball court. So, you know, to your point, you've got on this side, we've got Colossus, you know, throwing literal rocks at uh, uh, Avalanche, throwing literal rocks at Colossus. And on the other side, we've got Toad, you know, wrapping his neck around Colossus whilst playing with the rock. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense that this is where Avalanche would be, right? I don't think he's got super survival powers for being collapsed in a building. So he kind of right. has to be outside. I mean, what's he going to do? Bring the building down on top of him? Yeah, he doesn't want to do that. No. No. I remember, Daniel, when we were playing this, um, I think at this point, you know, when plus one attack comes out and it's each character, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, what is it? Boot camp on the table. You've got some X-Men upgrades going down on people. Maybe right. someone's enraged, storms out, giving everyone else plus one. I mean if there's a lot of people if it's more than solo and you've got the allies out and they're not yet exhausted you're just flying through whoever it is yeah that was a quick that was a quick round yeah could be real swingy either way yeah if there's not more to say about avalanche that was in the courtyard i think we can move on um bill do you have um, we're gonna let you be mike tonight (gasps) wow what an honor all right. So, have you ever had a seismic quake in your courtyard? If you have, you can tell us about it at Critical Encounters. At pot. Found it dirty. <laughs> well, that's that's initially what the art at Avalanche's card. Just a seismic event. 
<laughs> it reminds me like when, oh, I was, no. when, I was, when I was in Peace Corps in West Africa and like volunteers trying to figure out how to use the kind of the outdoor latrine squat. That was, Holes in the floor. Yeah, no, that was yeah. really it. I mean, that, that art is the first thing I thought of. Like, it looks like he's exerting himself. a lot of force to, uh, to release himself of this uh, <laughs> yeah. seismic activity. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh well. Sorry. I, Sorry, I, I guess they won't be contacting us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just pick it up from where we left off. <laughs> Don't pick it up, Bill. Leave yeah. it on the ground. Hurry up! Drop it with okay. You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Flum Loaf, Wandering Took, Board Game Lawyer, and Darcy. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Avalanche, take us out. Come out and fight, or I'll bring the whole building down. <laughs> <laughs>